Hey, what's up, my good people? This is Fired Up Casey. It's your boy Zeke. We are here again, live and direct. You know, this is a place we got all the inspiration, motivation, leadership. And today, we have two awesome leaders in the house. Um, Yem Casey, make some noise. Go Roos. Man, today I have here um, the Dean of the Block School, Dean Brian Class in the house. And I also got Gary O'Bannon in the house today. It's a full house. And if you do not know, I'm in the Block School, so it's an honor to have the Dean with me today. Make some noise for Dean Brian Class. And of course, Gary. Welcome to the Block School. It's How are you guys doing today? How are you guys doing today? I'm doing great. Thank Excellent. you for the invitation. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for coming today. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Um, I don't know if you saw the the video I made on LinkedIn. Hopefully, hopefully you didn't see it. Uh, well, I was Uh-oh. I was acting as the, as the dean, but hopefully you didn't see it. So he will now. Yeah, he will now <laughs> go look at it. But um, I had a whole video where I was like I was acting as, as the dean, and I was like trying to announce that I'm going to be on the show. So you, it's really funny. Okay. So you should oh, go. I, to, I will have to look. You should go check it out. It's really funny. It's really funny. <laughs> I uh, I acted very um. Deanly. Deanly. <laughs> exactly. That's the word for it. But uh, So what does a dean act like? I, I, I've been wondering all these years. I mean, I mean you just got to like put the, the you know jacket on and like have that, you know, that you know what you're doing, you know. You got to have to know what you're doing. It's that that feeling you step out and people are like, "Yeah, that's the dean. That's the dean working right there." But uh, you have to see it to find out. But okay. um all right. let's get right into it. Um today we got Dean Brian class in the house, guys. Um it's going to be an awesome show. Welcome to the show today. So Dean Brian, let us know who is Dean Brian. How let people know who you are, because, you know, they hear about the dean, but they don't really know who is Dean Bryan. Give us a little, a background story of how you became the dean and maybe, you know, where you grew up. And just a, just a, a brief recap so people can know where you're at. Where did I, I'll start with where I grew up. Okay. So, Freeport, Illinois, okay. which is kind of a, a town, middle of nowhere Freeport. Okay. Uh, kind of uh, a town where it's, the thing that it is most known for is the name of the high school team. The, oh, wow. The, the mascot. It's the... Fighting Freeport mm. pretzels. No. Wow, <laughs> that went like up and down. <laughs> it, just, it went fighting the pretzels. That's a that's a good combination. I like that. I like that. <laughs> what they do? Did they? What did the pretzel pretzels? do? Uh, <laughs> and does somebody dress up as a pretzel? It's, yes. it's kind of complicated. Uh, <laughs> kind of complicated. Uh, you gotta have some flexibility. Uh, <laughs> But I guess back in the day, yes. way back in the day, mm-hmm. there were like two major employers in town. Okay. One was a brewery, mm. kind of a German kind of town, a okay. brewery, okay. and then also kind of uh, the other employer was a pretzel maker. Oh, wow. Okay. And it seemed more appropriate to there sort of focus on the pretzel <laughs> okay. as opposed to alcohol yeah. or the impressionable youth that would be going through the school. So sure. I think that's the, the reason for why uh, it was named pretzels. Yeah, yeah. Pretzels. Okay, wow, that's that's a really good history right there. Yeah, that's that's really good right there. That's a small little tidbit <laughs> about me, but, but. Gary, but let people know. So, where did you, did you grow up in Kansas City, or born and raised Kansas City, Missouri? Let's Been here go. all my life. Um, went to Catholic schools all the way through high school. Okay. And uh, graduated from UMKC in 1985. Wow. Went to another university to get my master's degree 14 years later after I lost out on a promotion. And the reason that was cited was because I didn't have a master's degree. So I said, well, let me fix that real quick. Yeah. (laughs) And um, um, have done uh, media work like yourself for about 20 years. Wow. Stopped doing it in uh, 19, let's see, no, 2003. 2003, okay. So I was doing uh, news on a bunch of radio stations, had an urban affair television show, public affairs show on Channel 5 for about 14 years. Wow. Uh, Had a dual career um, since 85, 
uh, of uh, working in human resources for the okay. city of Kansas City, Missouri. I recently retired okay. December 31st after, get this now, because I don't even think you're this old, 34 years. I, I, I'm not yeah, old. Yeah, you know, you're not <laughs> And um, have been uh, teaching part-time at UMKC since okay. 2012. Okay. And then I was fortunate enough for this man to approach me and ask me whether or not I wanted to come here full-time. And I just began doing that January 1st. So okay. I've been here full-time for all of about six weeks. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So um, I had uh, – so on the last show – uh, Mr. Emmett Pearson, he talked oh, about. I know Emmett. Yeah, he was on the show last yeah. last last week, and it was an awesome show. Mm-hmm. So he talked about how um, the first job he did, um, they gave him a, a slip him a big check under the table, and he t- took the job. So what, was there a big check that made you uh, decide to come to the law school? Was there a big check that <laughs> happened? Was that a big check? You like? So I like that check. We haven't told Gary this yet, but <laughs> we're going to be expecting him to be writing us a big check <laughs> for, the, for the joy of. Uh, well, hey, that's the news we're revealing. Yeah, we're, yeah there we're, you go. we're on the there podcast today. You actually never. Okay, oh, all right. It is certainly an acceptable check. <laughs> I have no complaints. Okay, cool. Well, um, but I have a question. Okay, okay. What was the most memorable thing about going through Catholic schools the entire time? What was the best thing about going through Catholic schools, and what was the thing that kind of uh, maybe was the worst? The worst. Uh, you know, I think the best thing is that. Uh, uh, the Franciscan nuns mm-hmm. that was were in our diocese did a really good job of really making like a family culture at okay. the school. And you know, you hear that all the time, right? Yeah. You you hear it at uh, at um, uh, u- universities and schools, mm-hmm. and you hear it at work, you know, and all of that. Well, we're a family, and that's our culture. Yeah. They really do a good job of actually uh, putting the. Um, uh, expectation that the older kids will take care yeah. of the young kids, okay. Okay. you know, and um, so I think that was the good part about it. And I was in Catholic schools my whole life, so there was always this kind of sense of of an extended family. Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh-huh. and don't get me wrong, we were still kids. I mean, we still cut up and we still did things <laughs> that we weren't supposed to do. But th- it was a different feel that I yeah. think that uh, sometimes is missing from some of the um, um, schools today. Yeah, yeah. And I think the worst thing is. Uh, kind of peripheral to that is I went to Bishop Lillis High School uh, and it closed down in 1979. My brother Durrell was actually the last class to get out of that uh, institution. It closed because of lack of enrollment. Mm. They only had about 37 students coming into the next year, which would have dropped the overall enrollment of the whole school down to below 150. And I'm talking freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. It was at 3744 as it was not viewed as being in a good area for high schools high school students at the time, and they did the best they could to keep it open, but they closed it. So the worst thing was when they hauled us all into a gym, and they told us the school was going to close, and we all had to find different schools to go to. They did a really good job of uh, asking the other Catholic schools in the area, Bishop Hogan, uh, O'Hara, and there was one more that I'm not remembering. I think it was St. Regis, I, I believe. Uh, to to have them freeze the enrollment to let us have first choice to okay. go into the schools uh, oh, wow. because okay. they knew that we wanted to most of us at least wanted to stay into in a, stay in the Catholic system. Okay. So, but but that was a really bummer, you know, because uh, we weren't able to graduate. You were, you were a family. Yeah, you know? I mean exactly, and it may not have meant so much, you know, if yeah. that family kind of atmosphere wasn't there. But I, I will, I'll tell you, if you run across anybody who went to Bishop Lillis during that time period and you mm-hmm. ask them what was the worst moment of school, that's what they're going to tell you. Oh, wow. Because well, it really left a mark, huh. you know. But it also grew you up and let you know that things change. Exactly. Right? 
See, I, I went to Catholic school myself. I always have something, a little something. I went to Catholic school myself, mm -hmm. but um, my Catholic school was was good. You know, it was it was pretty good. It was it was okay. You know, but uh, well, now it's gone from good <laughs> to just okay. <laughs> but um, just to say, I think the, the one thing that I really you know appreciated was back in those days they made you sing the hymn. So you have to so and if That's you true. do not have a hymn, you have to memorize the hymn. Mm -hmm. And um, I never oh never had the hymn, so I had to memorize some of it. So that way you'd be in the back repeating the hymn. So I. I don't remember all of it now, but I used to know how to re right. like actually recite the hymns. But getting back to the main subject of the day, um, so Dean Bryan, um, give us a little recap of like what was your journey to becoming the dean? Um, let people know what was that like. What, what was where were you at before you know you were like you know what I'm going to accept this job to be the dean? What was that process like? So I've been here about two and a half years, okay. and prior to that, I was at the University of South Carolina. Okay. And been, I was there almost as long as Gary was with the city. I mm -hmm. was there practically 30 years. Wow. Uh, did a lot of different roles. Wow. Uh, at a certain point, when I started out, I was really kind of just focused on teaching, and I loved it. Yeah. But then over time, kind of got involved in administrative kind of activities. Yes. Uh, taking some leadership kind of roles and found... Well, this is kind of neat. You know, you can pull levers. You can achieve some things that make a difference, have an impact. Mm. And I reached that point where kind of like, okay, what's next? Okay. And in many ways, a school like this provides so many opportunities to yeah. make a difference, to have an impact, to utilize some of the skills that I kind of picked up over yeah. the years yeah. at my previous employer. Okay. And to perhaps be a positive impact on not only the school and the students, but maybe more broadly of the community. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, can I can I tell me, uh, Mr. Gary? Uh, so, what was that decision? What made you switch from you know working for the government to coming you know when I want to teach? What was that switch that made you leave mm -hmm. you know the government job or being in you know the media and say you know I want to teach? What was that decision and why? Yeah. Well, the media is a simple story. Yeah. Uh, great job. Love the job. Love the people. Love having a key to get into a multi-million dollar studio whenever you want, 24-7. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's nothing like it, and there's very few people who have that opportunity to do yeah. that. The problem that I found with it is that it doesn't pay that much. Mm -hmm. So um, <laughs> I did that as uh, something that I enjoyed to do. It was mm -hmm. part-time. I went from full-time, and then when I started with uh, the city being an HR, okay. I gradually started working four days a week, three days a week, okay. then, then just weekends. Uh, but I wanted to hang on to that key, and I wanted to keep my foot in the door because yeah. I just loved it so much, and all yeah. the people are, like, really cool at radio stations and mm. TV stations. So um, when I became director of HR in 2003, okay. it's a funny thing. The uh, organization generally doesn't like to hear their HR director doing news on the weekend. Mm. So I had to make a fork-in-the-road decision to turn the key in okay. because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to go back anytime soon. Yeah. So I turned my key back, became a full-time HR director, and did that for 16 years until I retired. Wow. But again, being an HR, you know, you're always thinking about the next career move because exactly. that's, that, that's, that's how we try to educate people, yeah. right? It's like, you know, you're always keeping doors open. You're always looking for fork in the roads exactly. to maybe take your career to your next level. You yeah. don't want to wait and look up and say, I'm retired. What am I going to do? Mm. You know, because mm. studies show, and this is unfortunate, that... Uh, if you don't have a plan and you don't have a reason to get up in the morning, yeah. depending on your age, within 24 months, a lot of people aren't here anymore after mm. they retire because we put a lot of stock on how people are supposed to get their financial house in order when they retire. Yeah. But what there's not a lot of education on is, but what are you going to do with your life yeah. and what's going to motivate you in the morning when you get up? Wow. 
And so if you fail to do that, you could really find yourself six months later going, you know, this retirement gig isn't really what I thought it would be because Mm. you can only do so much. I don't golf, but you can only do so much golf. Yeah. You can only go to the gym so much. Yeah. Your hobbies can only take you so far. Yeah. And you can't travel every day. That's true. You know, and those are the things people say that they want to do, right? But But after six months, 24 hours, without any place to go, you know, it kind of takes a toll on you internally. So, so I had always planned on some sort of transition plan. Okay. UMKC is actually not the first uh, place that I taught. I actually okay. taught at Avila College back in the late 90s. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, excuse me. And then I taught at uh, KU at the Edwards campus. Oh, wow. Okay. Excuse me, for a couple of semesters as well. Okay. So um, when this job came open, I went after it like, like no tomorrow, you know, <laughs> because I didn't want to go to Edwards campus because yeah. it's so far away and I'm not from Kansas, yeah. you know, and, uh, <laughs> and while I was very appreciative of the opportunity that they yeah. gave me, I was always like, how can I get into this Missouri yeah. system? Here? <laughs> and so I started uh, teaching part-time here in 2012, doing one okay. class a semester, did a couple of summers teaching master's courses, okay. loved it, and I still love it. And so that's kind of my journey here. Wow. But but the important part is that none of it was really, you know, planned from being a teenager. Right. I mean, you just kind of walk your journey and you do what you think that you want to do. And sometimes things just happen that you never would have believed would have happened. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. uh, um, so this is going to be a a trick slash an IQ question. Uh So do you like it at UMKC? Do you like it? Do you like it at UMKC? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Well, I mean, well, but again, I've been teaching since 20, 2012, you know, so it's, I'm going on my eighth year. Wow. So, wow. so I, I absolutely do. I also was on the board of the uh, 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 HR advisory board for the block school. And that's actually how I found out okay. about the opening is because that's a consortium of, of 30 organizations, 28 yeah. private, two public sector um, organizations that give advice and uh, about curriculum to exactly. UMKC. So. Yeah. Wow, that that's awesome. That's a, a good like you know background story. And, and one of the neat things about a business school is that we can have this broad range of faculty that okay. bring very different backgrounds and perspectives, and they all come together into a neat little mix mm-hmm. that really can be incredibly beneficial for the students. Yeah. So we might have traditional faculty, and then we have people with great industry background mm-hmm. who bring connections and bring exactly. perspective. And it just sort of offers the student, I think, so much more yes. than just having faculty with one particular Agreed. kind of outlook or perspective. Yeah, agree. Yeah. So, like, I'm gonna like go a little bit deeper. So, um, what would you say is your why? Like, you know, and what would you say? How would you say you discover that? Like, what is your why for doing what you do as a dean? You know, or for being a professor? What is your why? And how did you, you know, discover that thing that, you know, kind of keeps you going? You know. So I'm going to build a little bit on what Gary was suggesting yeah. in that it wasn't like a planned event yes. to sort of arrive yes. at this point. It wasn't like I knew at a certain point this was going to be the path how I could make a difference. Yeah. However, as you kind of move along, you sort of detect, okay, I have some opportunities to do some things here. True. And at a certain point in your life, you're really focused on the basics. Yeah. You're kind of like, okay, certain things I need to do just to sort of be professionally successful. Exactly. But then maybe you have a little bit of freedom. You just reach that point in life where you can sort of say, okay, mm-hmm. you know, I can perhaps take some things on yeah. that other people don't want to take on. Exactly, yeah. That yeah. are kind of messy or difficult. And yeah. I kind of have the tools to kind of make it work. And maybe it'll be a little bit unpleasant, but yeah. I can take pride in knowing I'm doing something that maybe others don't really want to do, but it needs to be done. Wow. And wow. sort of being able to, and that's something that comes when you reach a certain 
point in life. Yeah. And that freedom is a neat thing. And I bet, Gary, that's kind of the same motivation for him in a lot of what he's yeah. done. Yeah, what you're saying is really true. I mean, I found that my best opportunities have come from what you just described, mm. uh, which is looking for these opportunities in order to be a change agent, mm. but also to step up when other people are, uh, maybe they're not stepping back, but they're not stepping forward because yeah. it is a little messy and man, there's a lot of risk involved in that. And boy, if I step out there and if I do the wrong thing, then yeah. I might not recover from it. Those are situations that I actually, that get me energized, yeah, you yeah, know, because yeah, there's, there's wow. I mean, I could, I don't, I could have a gambling addiction, even though I don't, mm. because they always say that the people that have a gambling addiction, it isn't really whether or not they win or lose the bet. Yeah, yeah. It's making the bet uh, that gets them wow. to be an addict. Yeah. And so I'm kind of an addict that way. It's like if there's a situation that needs to be corrected, maybe it's slightly dysfunctional. has nothing to do with UMKC right mm. now, right? But I, in my business history, yeah. have loved to be the one to say, you know what? I think I'll tackle that. Yeah, Because wow. there's so much reward if you pull it off, mm. you know, mm. yes, there's risk, but I think those are opportunities that a lot of people uh, need to maybe embrace mm. Mm. because it gets your name out there. Yeah. Uh, you yes, get your yes. credibility up yes. and yeah, everything comes with risk, but calculated risk. Mm. Right. And you're also making an impact in a positive way because mm -hmm. you're doing something that others just don't want, want to, to do. do. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's a little, it's a different outlook on things mm -hmm. because yeah. it's not like saying, okay, I'm going to search for those jobs or those roles where it really fulfills me on every dimension and yeah. it's pleasant and I walk in at work every day thinking this right. is going to be a wonderful day. If you take the outlook that Gary and I sort of referenced, you yeah. kind of go in thinking today could be a, an interesting day. Yeah. Yeah. Today yeah. could be a bad day. Absolutely. But it has to, you have to accept that reality Absolutely. if you're going to be able to kind of make these mm. kind of positive differences. Mm. And I'm not saying people can do that at every point in their life. Right. But when you've reached a certain point, yeah. it becomes realistic to sort of say, okay, my job is right. to take things on that maybe others right. don't want to take on. Right. And uh, sometimes I think these fork in the roads are the difference between maybe having your life fulfilled in what you want to achieve yeah. and what you may feel is lacking because mm -hmm. maybe you didn't recognize, you know, there's a fork in the road and it's so easy mm. to just take the path of least yeah, resistance yeah, yeah. because who needs it, right? Mm. I mean, you know, I can go home. I don't have to take the stress with me. Yeah. You know, I don't have to have people looking at me, you know, sideways mm. going, I don't know if I like that guy yeah. or not. You know, because in a lot of these situations, there's no win-win. Mm, mm, you know, mm. sometimes, unfortunately, the decisions you make are going to harm some people, at mm. least in their mind. I mean, not drastically, but it's not going to be what they want, yeah. right? Yeah. And so there's some occasions where no one's going to like your decision, but the decision has to be made and somebody's mm. got to step up and carry it through so that you can see the rainbow mm. on the other side because mm. it's raining like heck, you know, yeah. outside. But you can't let it keep raining. Yeah, <laughs> you know, true. somebody's got to look for that rainbow and somebody's got to step up to try to lead everybody, you know, to the other side of the path. And that's not something that everybody wants to do. Mm. Wow. A, I, I follow baseball mm -hmm. a little bit, and there's a neat statistic in baseball, uh, wins above replacement. Mm. And it's basically for each player, they can calculate based on, you know, sabermetrics, mm -hmm. they can calculate if you replace that player with somebody else, how many wins would you lose or gain mm. as right. a consequence? Mm. Right. Mm. And I think what we're kind of talking about in some ways is like, how can we position ourselves 
to be the person that generates the most wins above replacements. Mm-hmm. And if we were replaced with somebody else, yeah. they might take an easier path. They may not take the difficult things. And as a consequence, yeah. things won't maybe happen right. that need to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, wow. You, you you just you spoke wisdom all through. I am so we're gonna take a break because that's that's I just want you guys to like Marinanda like take that in, breathe it in. I was to take some break. Just we come right back, breathe it in, take a notepad. Um, we'll be right back in another three minutes because this is this about to get it's about to get fire up in this place. So we're back in three minutes. Um, stay tuned. Do not tune out. All right. On God, I got the juice. On God, I got. I hit up Paul and told him that I want gold in my mouth. So when I speak, all oh, they shine off in my teeth, light up mouths. That's a person, place of things where I'm diverse in ways I bring. Bells of manor with country grammar, sweet as a tangerine. I follow a Nazarene, but I still might paint the Hyundai can because I'm modest, but be honest, I got more sauce than shrimp scampi. I go ape, I go chimpanzee on every beat that they hand me. I've been branded as the man who gon' handle my hood advancement out the slum. I ain't dumb. I know you plot to be peeping, but my head down and my arms cover my paper. It ain't no cheating. I'm eating. Plus, I got all the flavor. I'm low-key seasoning. What were those who willing leaving gave their heart to hoes? I was told by the G code that that's bleeding. On guard, I was broke for over 30 seasons. Now, me and Fat and I 30s about to be in Norway like some melanated Norwegians. If a rapper stiff as me, he probably ain't breathing. That's rigor mortis. I hope y'all absorb this flow gorgeous. I'm teaching. Flow freezing. I'm the coldest in my region. Y'all decent. But if I'm critiquing y'all faces, it ain't nothing personalized kill. And if I die tomorrow, my wife and my whole hood know I'm real. Hey, what's up, good people? We are back. That was, uh, you know, quite a short break but uh we got a lot to talk about we got two awesome leaders in the house today um man the last 20 minutes was really good uh i, I kind of want to build up on that a little bit um because i think you guys talked about how i've been hearing this a lot on this show where you know all my guests i've been talking about they start with one thing and then they end up doing different things right but as a young person we always have this idea of who we want to be in the future of this big dream we want to be and if it's not that one thing it's nothing else you know, what would be your, you know, advice to give to one young person like they're like myself and be like, yo, life is, life is not really all you think it is. Sometimes it could be left or right. What do you think you want to tell someone out there who's younger, who's thinking, you know, I'm going to be the president and that's it? I'll jump in. Mm-hmm. I would say um, embrace uncertainty. Mm. Embrace the fact that you're going to start in a certain direction. Yeah. But opportunities will arrive arrive that will allow you to go in a lot of different ways. Mm. Uh, Certainly, I never planned when I was 21. I did not plan to become a college professor. I did not plan to become a dean. I was looking at a lot of different options, and a lot of things just happened by accident. Yeah, okay. And and embracing the accident. Yeah, wow, okay. Once you make a decision, it's kind of like, okay, let's see what we can do to make this work. Yeah, And I have a similar uh, example. Uh, When I went to UMKC's uh, uh, student orientation, they would have the seniors take around the frosh coming in, Mm. and they had us all around a table, and they went around and said, hey, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to be? And at that time, I said, I want to be a writer. Mm. And I swear the guy looked at me, and he said, oh, so you want to be poor? And the room kind of laughed. And again, I was, like, shocked, and I was like, no, I don't, <laughs> wow. don't want to be poor, you know. So it did leave a mark on me, though. Yeah. And so I 
somewhat abandoned that idea, and I said, well, how can I get into an area where I can still do some writing, mm. but I don't necessarily have to call myself an author, and then that's mm. it. And mm. I think I'm a halfway decent communicator. So what I did was I got a degree in communications. And a lot of people say, well, why did you get a degree in how to talk? Everybody knows how to talk. <laughs> well, one, everybody doesn't. Yeah. And two, of course, there's a lot of different skill sets that exactly. you use in mm. order to facilitate good communication, yes. et cetera, and, uh, and understanding. So I think I always tell students, and I did this in my HR field, is that when people were not really clear on what they wanted to do, I would mm -hmm. say, well, get a pad and jot down the skills that you think that you're very good at. Okay, so for mine, I thought I was a decent communicator, I yes. was a decent writer, uh, and I like to be out there, so to speak. I didn't okay. mind being on stage, I didn't mind being in front of a microphone. So I said when the HR job became available as a trainee, you know, that job will allow me to use what I think are my good traits. Yes. And I can still get some joy out of what I'm doing. No, I'm not a writer, and no, I'm not still in news, yes. and no, I'm not still on TV, but guess what? That job will allow me to use the traits that I think I'm good at exactly. and be successful. And there's mm. a lot of careers out there that will branch off yeah. based off of the good skill sets that you have, but you said it best. Mm. You don't just you know, uh, pigeonhole yourself or put yeah. yourself in a box. Yeah. I mean, you need to be more expansive with it because there's a lot of very rewarding careers out there because I think what you're getting out of it is you're mm. getting a chance to do what you want to do. Mm. It just comes in a lot of different forms and a lot of different opportunities yeah. that you don't want to shut your shut your mind off to. Yeah. The, the other complexity, that, at least for me, was that there was a lot of things that I actually turned out to be pretty good at. Mm -hmm. I don't think I sort of knew I would enjoy mm. or knew I might be good at when I was 21 or 22. And in some ways it was like, you go into an organization, you take on some initial roles, there's opportunities there, you might develop this skill, you might develop that skill, and that opens up a lot of opportunities mm -hmm. that maybe you just never considered as yes. being relevant for you. So it's kind of like getting a start in a place where you have a chance to develop some skills mm -hmm. and, and, and letting things kind of play out. Right, and to yeah. triple down on that, uh, sometimes people who have positions available for you see things in you that you don't see. Mm. And they see opportunities and things that you're good at that you miss. Yeah, wow, so. wow. That's, a, that's an excellent point, because I didn't consider looking at the kind of role I'm in now yeah. until sort of a, uh, I'll say a mentor sort of said, you know, you need to do this. And I said, no, I don't, this is not me. And he yeah. said, no, 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 no. You're not seeing something. Right. Mm, mm. And Zeke, that's a really good point about mentors. I yeah. mean, I hope that's still a thing, you know, with the younger generation because they are invaluable. I've been fortunate enough to have two, and mm. I wouldn't have been successful in either one of my major careers mm. without both my mentors. Mm. See, that's something we need to, like, you know, buckle down on the mentors. I think today it's kind of something that is not, really there anymore i kind of feel that too yeah because our mentors are more on social media now people we see we think we want to be like them which is 100 percent what's happening today you know and i think we need to bring that thing back where we have mentors of people who can talk to because sometimes it's really hard sometimes to find a mentor that really believes in who you are because some mentors actually have their own idea of the, what they think you can be and sometimes that can be a challenge for someone who has something different to think about themselves well you know what's the and and i'm going to push back on that a little bit mm -hmm. i'm i'm not sure that's that's the standard. Okay. Now you could run into maybe one or two, yes. you know, that actually have that demeanor mm -hmm. and maybe it's time to maybe, maybe that's the message to find another mentor. Mm -hmm. But in my history, I've found that 
people that really embrace the uh, mentoring, yes. you know, are actually trying to put themselves where the mentee is okay. because you know there's this decade distance, right? And things yeah. aren't the way they were, True. you know, when I was growing up. And, yes. and we recognize that. So we try to play in your arena and then we get to learn, mm. you know, from the youth too so that we can stay relevant as well. But I'm going to say that I think most mentors would be much more flexible yes. than, than maybe what you've experienced or maybe what some have experienced. Well, that's that's a good point. We you guys listen here. At, you need a mentor because that's really important. Now, let's have. I want to dive into this. So, um, being a you know professor and also you've been a professor previously, um, what is your mindset about education? Do you think education has helped you through your you know life challenges, or have you had to learn things all by yourself? It certainly helped me through any number of life challenges. Yes. I think because of kind of what I studied exactly. and kind of the subjects, I think I developed a comfort level with kind of ambiguity and uncertainty. Mm-hmm. I think I got comfortable with solving problems. I think I learned how to take the perspective of other people okay. mm-hmm. and in, in some ways to kind of listen and to really yeah. kind of understand what people yeah. are saying. Yeah. Uh, and, and beyond that, I think it helped me kind of think about the need to be reflective, mm, mm, mm. that you don't respond immediately, that it's a matter of stepping back, trying to be objective, trying to understand, yes. and that's a that's a discipline that comes from education. Yeah, wow. From educational experiences. What do you What do you think? I think, uh, well, much of the same comments that mm. uh, Dean Kloss just said. Um, when I was going to school at UMKC, they weren't really into the team so much, like the block school and the university yes. is now, which yeah. I think is great because yes. what they're trying to do is mimic the workplace. Mm-hmm. So I think the uh, educational experience now much more prepares you for the workplace mm-hmm. maybe than maybe 30, 40 years ago. Okay. But I also think that there's some other benefits uh, from the educational process, which is you obviously are going to interact with a lot of different instructors and yeah. a lot of different professors. They all have different styles. Mm-hmm. And so for you as a student to have to adapt to styles that you like, styles yeah. you prefer, to then maybe being in the classroom where maybe the professor's learning methodology does not fit your mm-hmm. style. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're not as communicative as yeah. your best professors in your mind. Yeah. And I think that also, though, prepares you for not only you know work but also for life because mm-hmm. – that's life, you know. Mm, it's like mm. everybody isn't going to cater or going to fit your preferred style, True. and you have to be flexible enough in order to roll with it and still be successful. Mm. And I think the whole university experience gives you that opportunity. Wow, that's awesome. Now, I think we've talked about this a little bit. Where um, I think you kind of mentioned about where being a leader, some people are scared of skepticism, right? They're scared of not being liked. There's that need for human beings to want to be liked. Um, by other people, right? Yeah. Now, that also causes people not to take risks or take action because they're afraid to fail Absolutely. and disappoint people. Now, what is your mindset about failure, you know, when it comes to, like, your career or what you do? I recognize yeah. that failure is inevitable if you're trying yeah. to do significant things. Yeah. I don't necessarily like failure. Yeah. I don't sort of want, seek it out. Mm. Um, and I guess I, I can endure it better mm. when I can say to myself, I behaved in a responsible way. Yes. I tried to do reasonable things. I assessed risk. I, I treated others well, and it just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's when I can kind of say, okay, mm. we did something. Yes. It didn't work. Okay, move on. Yeah. Um, I think also I sort of embraced the idea that 
many times we do something wrong mm -hmm. that leads to failure mm -hmm. and, and the trick is somehow being able to dispassionately step back and sort of say, okay, I feel really bad about this, yes. but what did I do wrong and how do I not do it in the future? Yes, wow. And to move on, yeah. right? Yeah, and don't wallow in it as well. Mm. I often think that we need to maybe sometimes find a different word than failure. Yes. Because I think when you... Take the time to try to strategize and to get something right, mm -hmm. and it doesn't work out. I think maybe that's just sometimes due to maybe the timing wasn't right. Yeah. There was nothing maybe flawed other than that mm -hmm. in your plan, in your strategy. And I don't know what the word is, you know, but, you know, failure, I think, is a word that makes people fearful. Yes. And it's like, well, I don't want to be a failure. Okay, well, because you put your heart and soul into something that it just didn't happen to work out, yeah. could have been through nothing you did wrong. Mm. It could have been outside forces. Yeah. Your idea was great. Yeah. You know, but there's but it's, it's it isn't that simple. Other things can make things not successful. Yes. So, I think sometimes that word stops people in their mm. tracks, mm. you know, as mm. opposed to saying, "You know what? We 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 tried it." It didn't work, but guess what? Whatever didn't work last mm, year, mm. sometimes if you dust that sucker off and you bring it back 18 months, the environment's a little bit different. Sometimes the players are a little bit different. Yes. You get a sponsor, it works. Yes. So does that mean that you really failed 18 months ago? Mm. Maybe, but no, your idea was still sound. It yes. may not have just been, it may have been ahead of its time. Exactly. So, you know, I don't know. I think uh, uh, my only other comment is that if you're not, and let's use the word failure, mm. if you're not failing, then you're not risking mm. and you're not trying to make things better because when you're trying to do that, it all has to work. I mean, yeah. look at the Chiefs Super Bowl victory, yeah. right? Okay, wow. so we came back from 10, mm. came back from 24 mm. against Houston, mm. came back from 10 against Tennessee, and we love Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. He's a he's a god with a small G in Kansas yeah. City, right? <laughs> but let's don't be confused. Mm. You couldn't mm. have came back from 24, you couldn't have came back from 10, and you couldn't mm. have won the Super Bowl if the defense didn't do their job, yes. special teams didn't do their job, the coaching you know system didn't yeah. do their job. All that had to work in yes. order for them to be able to come back yes. with eight minutes left and score three touchdowns. Yes. But again, we want to point to one person and mm. maybe give them all the credit. But then on the other flip side, we want to give them all the blame when yes. it's still all a team effort. So yes. if something doesn't work, we should never point at one person yeah. and who's the lead and who's bold enough to take the lead and mm. say, oh, well, you're a failure. Mm. No, the effort failed. Yes, yes. You as a human Humans didn't fail. Yes. It was just the effort failed. True. And then I think that depersonalizes it a little bit. Now, um, I I think I have a word for, another word for failure. Okay. Just check me on this. Okay. Um, a step to success. Does that, is that, is that, is that, I is see that, where you're going. That's close to it, right? Because yeah. you yeah. got to fail to succeed, right? right. Now, I want to talk a little about the Chiefs game because I think <laughs> that on its own is a motivational story. Cause it is. Woo! I was at the game and my heart was beating. I was like... Where is Mahomes? Like, you got to send send him or send someone else, like, can do this. But it's just, it's... <laughs> you have little faith. I mean, I, I had to. I was like, it was really close. It, it was, was really yeah. close. I was like, is this going to happen? But um, like I said in the last show, uh, if you guys didn't hear this, I will say it again. I have a new prayer point. Um, I call it the Mahomes prayer point, right? Okay. Where you're 10 down and then you're 24 up. 22 up. That's what I want in my life right now where things are not going right, but I look around like it flips. Right. So I need sent my homes to come to my life. That's my new prayer point. But um, on the other side, though, because I, you know, being a young person, it can be a challenge when you fail and people think that is just who you are. Right. But like seeing you guys having like experience of like years, I'm not even I'm not 
up to 30 years. But then seeing that perspective, like failure is something that's necessary. That you actually have to go through to become mm-hmm. who you are, right? Absolutely. Now, I'm going to ask a little bit, a little bit of a deeper question. So we're getting towards the end of the show, but I want to say this. Um, what would you say, what, what advice would you give to your 21-year-old self out there today who is kind of confused about life, that doesn't really know what they want to do or kind of knows what they want to do, but they're not too sure? What advice would you give them today and say, this is what you need to know? I'm going to steal a line from a graduation speaker that I just love. That okay. Was, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Uh, uh, that, that would preach. Yes, yes. That, I just preach right there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, what do you think? You know, other than what I've said uh, before to one of your earlier questions, I mean, I, I think what I would say is to cultivate relationships. Mm, mm. Uh, if I had a self-criticism of myself, and I've got many, but I'll just give you one. Yeah. I mean, when I was 21, 22, 18, 19, somewhere around that area, I I didn't really embrace facilitating, you know, relationships. Mm. But then the, the older you get, you recognize that that's really what life's about. You know, we can talk about, you know, success in the business world or or achievement and all of that. But the older you get, the more that you do recognize that, you know, uh, relationship building is really why we're here. Yeah. And I think that uh, you'll get a lot of pleasure uh, even when you are struggling, maybe in a career uh, mode or something in your personal life. Yeah. Relationships get you through a lot of things and they help you see the other side Mm. and they kind of take you out of the abyss, you know, as opposed to, maybe trying to go at things alone mm. or letting the haters, you know, kind of rule your mind. Yes. I mean, and that's why I say mentors and uh, close people that are, uh, uh, that care about you are really what's important. So okay. I didn't always take the time when I was trying to achieve and work all these jobs. Okay. You know, sometimes people would try to get close to you and it's like, you know, I'd love to do that. Can't yeah. do it right now. I got to go over here True. or seven o'clock. I got to go here. And it was always trying to achieve and do things to kind of, get me get myself where I wanted yes. to get but again as time goes on and if I had something to, to do all over again I would change some of those things and actually find the time mm-hmm. so that would be my okay. advice to folks is that while you're really busy trying to achieve and trying to graduate and trying to hit that next ladder don't forget about those close relationships mm-hmm. with people that care about you now this is going to be my my last um strategic question before because I want to ask you guys, two personal questions, but okay. this is going to be my last strategic because we're getting to, to at the end of the, the time now. But I want to ask this because um, personally, um, even with all the books I've you know I've read and just my life experience, I've come to understand that there needs to be a certain amount of belief and faith for you to be able to succeed. Now, there's this thing like work hard, work hard, work hard, <laughs> but I believe that the the secret sauce is belief and faith, right? Do you guys think that has been your story when it comes to whatever you do, having to believe and faith in either what you do or maybe yourself or a greater power? What do you think about, you know, having belief or faith? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm not an institutional guy. Mm-hmm. So if you go to church, you won't see me uh, mm-hmm. there every Sunday. Yeah. You know, <laughs> or maybe not even every third Sunday. But, <laughs> but I, actually define, I, I actually define myself as more spiritual. Okay. You know, so I talk to God all the time. Yeah. And God, in the general sense, it could be, you know, everybody can have different gods. But yeah. I talk to my God every day. Mm-hmm. And not only when I'm in trouble, you know, mm-hmm. by the way, I say a lot of thank yous yeah. because I do feel like I'm fortunate. Yes. And so, no, is that a foundation? No, you bet. Hey, mm-hmm. I'm a lifelong Catholic uh, school. Yes, so yes. that never leaves you, I don't exactly. think. Exactly. So. Yes. 
And I would just sort of build on that by saying, I think meaning, mm. your ability to sort of put meaning to what you're doing and yes. to believe in what you're doing is linked to mm-hmm. having a broader perspective yes. on how it all connects, yes. however one yeah. tries to define it. Exactly. Yes, wow. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to remain, you know, kind of church, you did and, really state, good. church and state here. You, you, you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was an awesome yeah, answer. Okay, really I'm going to ask two <laughs> personal questions. No, just one personal question. What is what are two things that no one knows about you Ooh. or you? What is two things? Not let's say not no one. Maybe people out in the world okay. now, because we are now on in the world spectrum. Okay. Maybe something person people don't know about you. A fun fact that people two fun facts people don't know oh, about two you. Two fun facts. Yes. I already, Some, I already used my pretzels one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we can keep that as one. Yeah. <laughs> What is what is another fun fact that you know you think like you know no one really knows about you because you know uh, well what, what you can be thinking on that but let me ask you this because uh, we can we can think what is it like to be dean of the block school why you're thinking on that what is it like to be the dean because I think that's something that's a lot of seems like a lot of work what 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 what, what, is, what is it like it is a kind of a world full of opportunity mm. and a world full of constraint and limitations wow, okay. and it's about trying to f- sort of see those situations where you can actually seize the opportunity where the constraints don't get in your way and mm. actually kind of make a difference yeah okay. so in some ways you could really get obsessed and focus on all the constraints and all the limitations but there's opportunities that arise yeah. and being well positioned to take advantage of those opportunities while constantly managing the constraints and limitations I think is a very makes the role a lot of fun. Yeah. Last question for you. So as dean, um there's always this news about like a lot of like money coming into the dean, uh into like the block school, uh like scholarships and whatnot. Are there like strategies of how, you know, those scholarships are going to like, you know, benefit more students or are there, you know, more plans to get more scholarships in, you know, to the block school or whatnot? We're always working yeah, okay. to get more funding to support students yes. that need help with their education. Exactly. Uh, we want to c- sort of create an environment where students can be successful here and yes. that money not get in the way. So that's always something that we're, that we're working on. Okay. Uh, and our strategies for making effective use of those scholarships are all based in sort of trying to understand uh, what it takes for students to be successful and what will kind of allow them to achieve long-term career goals. Sweet. Do you you have it? Okay, let's go. (laughs) Uh, One is I'm um, not a junkie, but I'm a video game lover. Oh, okay, yeah, let's go. Been doing that since I was 18 years old. The games looked a whole bunch different Different, than they do now. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I would imagine. And I still play Madden online frequently in a couple of leagues. All right, And then the other thing is, as most people don't know, is I'm really more introverted than I am extroverted. But when people see me in these arenas, they they, they go, you're not an introvert. Yeah. But they don't really recognize the definition of what really introvert means. Yeah, that's true. But I tend to be more introverted than extroverted. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. those are two things that people probably don't no, unless know. you're close to me. So. Exactly. What do you What do you have? So to I am. Some people would say okay. that, I'm, <laughs> that I'm a bit of a germ phobe. Okay. Actually, I just believe I'm following public health <laughs> guidelines. Okay. But there are those that have sort of made fun of me. Like, for example, if you're you know in a, a church and you're supposed to give you know mm-hmm. shake hands. Yeah. And, and, and when I wear a glove doing that, they oh. sort of they, they kind of make fun of me. I don't oh. I don't understand. Do you really make do, do you really wear a glove? Do you really well, you know, if you're shaking hands with somebody yeah. during cold and flu season, no, and, then you're, and then you're taking communion right. with the hand. Right. Oh, okay, okay. You know, it's sort of just a recipe. <laughs> it's a recipe for illness to spread. So, you know. 
I would okay. probably be one of the ones making fun of you. Yeah, guys. I would. But like, I get it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I get I it. get the connection, but mm, I think yeah. I'm right. I think yeah. I'm right. You're the only the one who's wearing the glove, though. Right? The world should follow me here. Yeah. So we, we you're don't ahead think, of your time. We don't think yeah. you're a We just maybe think you don't like. No, gloves. I think that's a germaphobe. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a sign. That's the first time I'm a germaphobe. If you wear gloves, that's the yeah. first sign. Yeah. We know that you yeah. are a germaphobe. But also, we are at the end of the show. Um. Thank you for coming to the show. I really appreciate it. This is an awesome conversation. Um, I learned a lot today. Um, I learned a lot about mentorship. I learned a lot about, you know, being able to take decisions and being able to fail and fail forward, right? Mm-hmm. Now, are you on in the air somewhere? If someone wants to reach out to you, um, how can they get a hold of you? On my email is the easiest sort of way. Okay. Class B at umkc.edu. Class B at umkc.edu. What and about mine's you? the same, uh, O-B-A-N-N-O-N okay. at umkc.edu. Sweet. Sweet. Well, we are at the end of the show. Um, thank you guys for tuning in today. This is Fired Up KC. We bring the inspiration, motivation, leadership, and today um, we had two great leaders. We had um, Dean Brian Classy. We had Mr. Professor Gary Gary O'Bannon. O'Bannon. I always uh, you actually pronounced it. I, I got it right. I got it right. No, you, you did it perfectly. <laughs> so mm-hmm. thank you guys for tuning in today. Make sure to subscribe on the YouTube channel at Fired Up KC, and I'll see you guys next Tuesday. But for now, bye bye.